Well, I don't normally carry my phone to the pulpit, and I'm not expecting a call. It's amazing. I've never had anybody call me while church was going on. In regular services, that is. I don't know why, but I just hadn't. Now, if I can get this thing to figure out here where my... I can't even figure this thing out. Preacher, tell me when... Uh, seriously. All right, I've got... Let's open our Bibles to Ruth chapter 1. And I don't necessarily, and I mean it, we just heard a message. But I want to give you a thought that the Lord has placed on my heart. And um, I trust you will listen carefully. I don't know anybody's heart that's here. I don't know any situation anybody is in. You can always assume, but that's all it is. But I want to be obedient to what I feel God has spoken to my heart about. I do want to say this, how much I appreciate all of the wonderful preaching that I've heard. And the singing has just been spectacular. And I believe that God put his sanction on the preaching that's been done in this meeting last evening. And I appreciate so much just sitting in that. Preacher, that took me back to the 70s and 80s. That a meeting like this was not an uncommon thing. But now it is. And I surely appreciate what God has done in my heart and I appreciate Brother Ouellette so much. I, we met years ago in Ohio, and I appreciate his messages. He always is a blessing. I would give anything if I had some of his humor. I just don't have it. But here we go. I'm going to read the opening five verses. Now, what I'm going to preach this morning doesn't have hardly anything to do with Ruth. But I just, God directed me here with this thought. Here we go. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. There was a man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth, and they dwell there about ten years. And Malan and Chilion died also, both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Will you please unite with me before the throne of grace? Father, we're so thankful to be in your house this morning and have been privileged to sit in the services in this meeting 
And Lord, to experience your presence, your moving and working, and how your servants have helped me in my Christian life. I pray for your blessings to be upon every one of them. And others, your Lord, I pray for them and every work that's represented, that you will move upon it and you will bless it. And Lord, I need your help right now. And I pray that you'll anoint me and use me to bring honor and praise and glory to Christ. And I know I'm not going to tell you anything if you've studied the scriptures that you do not know. In verse 1, the Bible said he went to sojourn. Now that is a temporary stay. And verse 2 said that he continued there. That's leaning or stretching uh, toward something more permanent. And then we come to chapter or verse 4 and the Bible reads, and they dwelled there. So that shows that this leaning had went all the way over and now it has become a permanent situation with them. We hear all the time as pastors, and I know you all who have pastored have heard the same thing, and you that are close to your pastors have heard the same thing, that there's always somebody wanting you to come down a little bit or to move the line a little or make exceptions in some situation. But here before us is pointed out a problem with that. When once the line is moved or the exception is made, then there will arise other times that the same thing is going to be expected. And the first thing you know, we have left all together what the Lord would have us to do. And I want to say that we are not puppets and God is not a puppeteer. He has given man the opportunity to make choices. But he also has determined before that choice is made the outcome of it. And that outcome is not going to change because we are who we are. There were two great statesmen. One of them was Daniel Webster a great man and a great help to our nation. And then there was another one, and I apologize. I've tried to remember and pull up, and I cannot remember who this statesman was. But these two men were asked to question, or asked the same question. The first one of these men was asked, what is the most sober thought that ever entered into your mind? And this one statement, and I'm sorry, I cannot separate the two. This one statesman said, man's responsibility before God. Amen. And how true that is. Yes. And the second one said this, that God has given man the privilege of making a choice. Now, I would like to say that these two are first cousins. 
because we are going to be held responsible for the choices that we make. Someone could say, yes, but look at the good that came out of this. None of us in here would argue with that. But it is not because Elimelech chose to leave Bethlehem, Judah. It is because that the grace of God overrode his decision that he made. And so something good has come out of that. Not because of Elimelech. And may I say, and Ruth, this is a wonderful book as you know. But Ruth is not the heroine of this book. Nor is Boaz. The hero of this book is God Almighty and his grace that reached down to the midst of someone who had no deservance whatsoever, no ground to stand upon, but God lifted her out of a horrible pit and set her feet upon a rock and established her going, amen, and put a new song in her heart. Now that, okay, I've got that. Okay, so let's get back to my burden, all right? And so, as I said earlier, we're not puppets. God gave man the privilege of making a choice. And someone would argue with that, but that they're just wrong. Amen. And God does not force man into doing anything. He, may, he will make a man sorry and regretful because he has made certain decision, but he's not going to make that man make a decision. God has never forced anybody to be saved. He's given him opportunity to be saved. But if he does not get saved, God has already determined the consequence of that person not getting saved. And it's not going to alter for anybody from the president to a premier ruler on down. You reject Christ and you're going to hell. God does not want you to do that. He loves you and sent the best heaven could afford that you might be saved by the marvelous grace of God. But they want to try to say that man's not responsible for the choices that he makes. Now listen, here I'm going to take a big issue with that. If you believe that, then you believe that God is the author of sin. And I'm not going to have that. I'm not going to have that. Amen. Even for one second, God said unto Israel through Moses, I have set before you life and death. I want you to choose life. Amen. Jeremiah said the same thing. God has set before you life and death. God wants you to choose life. But if you want to choose death, he's not going to stop you. Thank God for the day, preacher, that I chose life. Amen. And God saved me by his marvelous grace. He said unto Adam, he said, of all the trees of the garden, Thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the fruit or the fruit of the tree of the of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat. Now here's what they will say. They'll say, Well, uh, God said in the day that thou eatest thereof, 
And so, well, that, that just means simply this. God knew the day would come. Amen. That that man, that Adam would eat of that forbidden fruit. In fact, he already had a sacrifice made for it. Amen. You're not going to get ahead of God. Amen. And he had a sacrifice already made for Adam when he committed that sin. Amen and amen. Well, hallelujah to God. Listen, someone who is infinitely holy and perfectly pure that the seraphims, each of them had six wings. With twain, he covered his feet. He knew who he was in the presence of. Amen. And then with twain, he covered his eyes. He didn't even want to look into the presence of God. I don't know where that puts these fellas who says God came and stood and touched me in the palm of my hand and told me this and that. Here are beings that have never left the presence of God and they are, do not want to even look in to such a holy creature as God Almighty is. And he had two that he flew with. He's ready to do God's bidding at any instant he gave unto him. Then the revelation talks about four beasts, chapter four, and the expositors say that those are the living creatures of Ezekiel one. I do not know whether they are or not. I know one thing, they're not some vicious beast, I know that, because they're crying, holy, 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 amen. Not night and day and they never cease constantly and you tell me somebody like that would force a man to sin hey amen what what do you think we are anyway I think we ought to read this Bible this Bible will tell you who God is and what God is but the problem is we listen to some man rather than what God Almighty has said I remember when I first wrote my book on the doctrine of the Word of God and I wrote some things behind respected authors and I got to thinking one day, Brother Randy, I got to thinking, well, does that, is that really right? And so I got to searching in to what they had said and found out they didn't say what was right. And so it's easy sometimes to say something somebody said, but you really get in trouble if you write it. Oh, yes. And so I had to go back and rewrite my book. Yes. Amen. I, I'm sorry. I mean, I did. And I, we have to know what God has said about himself, especially not what some man has said. Okay, now here we have a Limelech. He's living in the will of God. He's leaving the will of God. He's living apart from the will of God and he's losing the favor of the will of God. Now, let me say this, and here's where I, I want to get to, the Lord being my helper. God's will may not be a higher paying job. It could be, but it may not be. Now, I can tell you some stories, but... I'm not going to. Okay. God's will may be a promotion on a job, but it may not be. And somebody, well, I know this is God's will because it all worked out so good. 
Well, we just heard about that, didn't we? Were those disciples in the will of God? Were, were they not doing exactly what the Lord said that they should do? And then there's another storm later than that. And this time Jesus is not with them. Were they doing the will of God? Absolutely they were doing the will of God. Hey, God never promised us a flowery bed of ease. But he did tell us if we would seek his face, we can know what his will is for our life. And the most important thing in anybody's life that I said to our church tens of times is the will of God. Find out what God's will is, whether it suits us or whether it does not, and get in it, and we will not be making the wrong decisions. Men have left good churches, good churches. Yes, sir. And then I know some situations where some Pastors have seen the qualities or talents of a certain man in a church and so they uh, kind of butter him up or whatever to, I'm getting trouble here, and get him over to their church so they can increase their ministry. Well, that may be good and it may not be good. I'm not going to argue that, but the whole thing about this, God has a will for your life. And you, we've got to find out what that will is and do that will. The burden of the church that I pastored in Florida for four years plus fell on me one night in the prayer room. But the men of the church did not want me. And they wanted me to stay there. I announced my call to preach. They wanted me to stay there to contact pastors to have them come in and in view of the pastoring. And I would call them. I'd get them to come. I would go pick them up. I would take them to lunch. I, I would do everything. I did the church visiting and everything. I think that really now that my mind goes back, they put me on trial for six months. That's pretty hard to call a man. We want you to come and, and uh, preach and because our church is looking for a pastor and you got the burden of it on you. Yes, that's right. I knew what God's will for my life was, but how are you going to go to a deacon and say, hey, I'm supposed to have this church. God told me I was to pastor this church. You can't do that. That's right. But I tell you what you can do, you can just wait on God to work it all out. That's the truth. And so they said, now, uh, James, what we're going to do, we're going to ordain you. I said, I'm not interested in being ordained. This church needs a pastor. We need to get a pastor. So, so they said, well, we're going to ordain you anyhow. So in six months, they did. I didn't argue with them. Six months, they did. And the very night of that afternoon when they ordained me, they called for a special call business meeting and voted me in for the pastor. And God gave us a good pastor there. Had a lot of souls saved, a lot of baptisms. I praise the Lord, a lot of good experiences. I know there was some boot camp in it, but God helped us and we got all through that. Then the church in in, uh, Harriman called me and so uh, they, uh, 
they called me and, and so they said, uh, well, here's what happened. Let me just tell you this, okay? Am I, I'm, don't let me run over, please, okay? And so I, I just thought one day, I, I mean, I'm low. I'm low. I know what it is to be rocked to sleep by a wife sobbing over mean things that men have said to her in the church. I mean, now you that know my wife know she's anything but deserving of that. That's right. And I'll tell you something right now, fellas. If they can't get at you, they'll get at your wife. Because that will hurt you more. They're afraid to come to you. It's like a lady came to me one time and said, can we, can, can we, uh, can you do this? I said, no, I can't do that. Well, can we have the church so we can do it? I said, no, you cannot. That's right. And she said, why? And I took the Bible and I showed her. And she said, well, that's the way you see it. And I just turned it around. I said, how do you see it? <laughs> I'm not trying to be a smart addict, but I mean, when it's black and white, there's only one way. Only one way to see it. So anyway, the church, the church in Harriman called me, and so I, I was, I was out taking a walk. I mean, I felt low. I mean, I start on your wife. It's a lot easier for them to beat you than it is your wife. And she held a lot of stuff from me and wouldn't tell me because she knew the burdens. I was carrying. And so anyway, we went on visitation one night. I'd been to Harriman and preached in this church and we went on visitation one night and I got in. My wife said, do you know a brother Miller? And I said, no. said, well, he said he's from Harriman, Harriman Baptist Tabernacle and he wants you to call him. So I called him. But that, night, that day prior, we was taking that walk and I just came to the end I just came to the end. I said, God, it does not matter what you want me to do. I'm going to do it. I don't care what it is. If I have to, forgive me. I, I'm, the flesh got up. And the flesh said this in his prayer. God, if you want me to say, you invite the devil, do you come? I'll do it. Isn't that awful? But that's what I prayed. Yeah. And what I, ignorant, not knowing any better, what I was saying, Lord, I will do whatever you want me to do. And that very night, that pastor called me and asked, would you be interested in coming? We need a pastor bad. Will you come? I said, yes, sir. I will. I will come. And so I did. God gave us a wonderful, wonderful pastor there. I praise him and I bless him. About three weeks after I had taken the church, the church had voted uh, 99%. He said, the reason I'm saying that is because there could have been somebody seated I did not count. And so he called me about three weeks after that and he said, Brother Jones, he said, since you're our pastor, we ought to talk about money. We hadn't even discussed anything. God help us when we got to have so much to go somewhere. God help us. 
Amen. I believe what the preacher said, the Lord's going to take care of us and God's going to help us. But listen, it could be a change of churches. Amen. That, that could be the will of God and it may not. But how many have I known that's left a good Bible preaching church and they're not even in church now? I'm thinking of one man, I tried to stop him. I said, listen, I, and, and he was talking about they were going to pay him so much money. And I said, and so when he said, well, we're going, I said, did they pay you that money? He said, well, they came close enough. God doesn't come close enough. He comes all the way. If we were to do something, he comes all the way. The man left, lost his whole family. I'm telling you, we better know what God wants us to do. My burden is making choices, making the right ones. You young men, decide what God wants for your life, you young ladies. And I'm going to tell you something right now. There's a lot of things I'll never forget. I remember where I was the very night God said, you're to marry Sandra. Yep. Yes, sir. It's real if Brother Ricky said it. I'm serious. You know what I did? I jumped in my car and took off to Knoxville. Yes. I went into her house and I said, Sandra? She said, yes, James. I said, let's get married. I'm telling you, that is the truth. You know what she said? When? I said, I got it. But I waited. I thought I was going to die an old whatever. I thought, 23, that pitiful. A lot of girls and boys, they're not going steady. Times are 16, that they're going to die an old maid. I got a, good, got a good story in my book on Ruth about that. And I'm not trying to sell books, but I'm telling you. It's amazing what God can do when somebody... Anyway, when we left that church and went, went to Harriman, one day I got a, a little package in the mail and I opened up that package and then it was a little plaque from a couple in that church and that church said, and that couple said this, or that plaque said this, God saves the best for those who leave the choice to him. I'd never seen that before. But that's good. Yes, sir. And God's got the best for you. You don't have to take second best. You don't have to take what will almost work. Amen. You, can, you don't have to take what you feel like you can live with. God has got the best for you. And you young men that are preachers, amen, hear what these men have been preaching to you this week. Get in there and don't dip your colors. Don't compromise. Stand for God. Amen. God is going to help you and God is going to use you. And you may think the world's against you, but so what? If God is for you, that we heard that preach one night. If God is for you, that is going to help you and bless you. Maybe. Here's, here's one thing. I've got to quit. I guess I've been up here 30 minutes and close to it. All right, let me give this and I'm done. I told you I didn't have a sermon. I've never come to this meeting and didn't have a sermon. 
Here's one thing that most people never consider when it comes to making choices. What will it do to my spirituality? What's it going to do? Is it going to support it? A mother one time asked me to come up to her house, and I did. There's this young lady and her son there. And she said, Preacher said, what have you got against these two getting married? I said, nothing. Or no, what have you got against these two? I said, I don't have anything against them. Well, why do you not want them to get married? I said, let me ask you. I looked at the young man. I said, what does this young lady here do to improve your spirituality? He bowed his head. This idea, well, I'll marry him or her and I'll change him. You better throw that in the trash. And it may happen once out of a hundred times, but 99 times it's going to go the other way. Now listen, you're not listening, you're not listening to someone who just started last week. I've dealt with people for over 50 years and it's unreal the stories that I could tell. And, and just along the line, I'm telling right now, God's got somebody for you. That's right. He can turn this world upside down if he has to to get you together. A person in Tampa, Florida, 28 years old, young lady who had been told by her mama, you pray and seek God's will and wait on God to send you a man. When she's 18, Honey, don't you think you should start considering courting? Mom, you said to pray and wait on God. That's what I'm doing. Yes. 20, same thing. 25, same thing. 28, she worked for this business and they sent her to a store somewhere in Tampa. There just happened to be a man there from Canada. What is a man from Canada doing in a store in Tampa? to pick up something. Yeah. Now figure that out. Yeah. You can, you can figure out God. That's right. And they met, long story short, they got married and she said, I'm the happiest person in all the world. I waited until I found out what God wanted for me. So find Christian man, guiding me, guiding my children. What will it do? What? What will this choice you're going to make, where you're going to go, is it going to strengthen your spirituality or is it going to stifle it? Is it going to support it or is it going to stop it? Every It would be wonderful if every decision we made, we would say, where does God fit in here? That's right. Thank you. 